Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. I think all of these essential skills, every one of them can be developed if you have a purpose to develop them. Like collaborating is hard. Everybody who's ever done a group project knows what it means to have to do all the work and everybody else gets the same grade as you. Yeah. Anybody who's done a group project knows the type of people who take over and don't let anybody do anything. Mm -hmm. We know how hard it is to hold other people accountable or to get critical feedback or to have to give criticism. Collaborating is difficult. But if you have a reason for it, if, if it helps you achieve whatever your deep underlying existential purpose is, then you're going to put in the work to learn how to collaborate to do it. So how do you find that? So talk to the person right now because I'm thinking of all my hairstylists. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of all of my team members. What causes some to do more than what their job description says? Because that's kind of like a little bit of a guide, right, yeah. of saying, okay, if, if you really want to excel in your position, you want to be able to master this job description and then some. Yep. So talk to that person right now. How do they develop that work ethic to make yeah. that happen? Um, I think rituals. Are Rituals. a great way to go in okay. patterns and structure. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a free bird. I, I that's yeah. why I like being self-employed. I like that. Um, and yet, at the same time, I have to have structure if I'm gonna right. be successful. Right. I, I you know I have to give myself to-do lists and and structure my time, and I mm-hmm. have to you know set aside time for certain types of tasks. Um, otherwise, I know they just won't happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's about developing structure in our own lives um, that we live by. You know, saying, okay, every day on the way to work, I'm going to go at least 10 minutes of silence in the car and think about what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Every night before bed, I'm going to create a to-do list so mm-hmm. I get a good night of sleep because I'm not thinking about what I need to do. And then the next day, I will tackle that to-do list. You know, it, it maybe it's having some type of mantra that you say to yourself, like, this is why I'm doing this work. Because yeah. I know today's going to be hard because I've got some really tough clients. And I, I always hate when I have them. But here's the reason I do this work. And I'm going to remind myself that before... I step into the difficult situation, and I'm going to try to revisit it when the difficult situation's over. Does that yeah. make sense? No, I love that. And I think another part of that, too, is just be coachable. Like, ask to be coached. Be coachable. That's right. Yeah. Go to your uh-huh. whoever it is that could coach you, that you yep. trust, to coach and just, how am I doing? How could I do better? Yeah. And accountability, I think, is everything. Oh, what a ridiculous idea yeah. that we would do this alone. I know. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean people mm-hmm. are social. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's in our DNA. Yeah. It, we're supposed to be social. Yeah. We're, we don't do well when we're not together. You know, the longest any human has ever lived without another human's contact is like 20 years. Wow. Which is a long time. Yeah. But think about that. Nobody in recorded human history has ever lived apart. And most of the time, that's not the case at all. Like, hermits are a very rare thing in humanity. Yeah. We're supposed to be together. Do you think and that's the cause of depression? 100%, in my opinion. Because people are I guess isolating themselves. But yeah. Look at our education system. Mm-hmm. The education system is all about the individual, individual grades, and individual now it's moving online. to the next level. That and then kind of scares yep. me. And then it goes yeah. to online. Yes. And so you've got this millions of American kids who aren't even going to school anymore, not even yes. learning how to deal with conflict and make friends. If you go into an average school and you go into the lunchroom, it's quiet because mm-hmm. everybody has their phones out. So kids aren't talking, kids aren't flirting, wow. kids aren't getting in fights. Not that those yeah. are all good things, but like they're part of growing up and development Mm -hmm. instead everybody's just sitting on their phones and then you get out of school and now you don't have a structure at all saying you have to be with people and Mm. you and you've been so used to this that 
you're not around people, and then all of a sudden you're losing this communal aspect, and which wow. is a key part about being human. That's why I think a lot of people are going to do their own suites. It's yeah. like, well, that's all I've ever done is is always take care alone. of myself. Always yeah. been alone. Mm-hmm. Always always had to just do it for my own personal advancement. Yeah, because the interesting thing is, is modern salon, American salon, have both um, done uh, research on this, and they found you can't make any more money working on your own in a suite versus making commission in a huh. salon. So uh-huh. if it's about the money, don't do it. Yeah, there you go. Good example. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, which I thought was really interesting. So your next one, uh, essential skill, is communication. And you said you had to learn this, and me too, wow. Learning how to have constant, uninhibited communication that breaks yes. down walls. I'm still in process with this mm-hmm. of really developing honest conversations. Today yep. we played a communication game with my salon teams mm. in Michigan this morning. And I'll tell you, there were some tears. It yeah. was some beautiful stuff. And they all, most of them said that they need to speak up more yep. and yep. they need to, be, need to be more collaborative. What do you think keeps people from speaking up? Because uh, the other day I met 50 new class members here in our school. And you know that whole hour I spent on coaching them how to be at their current employment because hmm. many of them work and they all hate their boss. They all yep. hate their job. They're all really, really frustrated. And so I had to spend that whole time leading leading them how to lead their leader and how to be um, and to yeah. be more positive while they're there. And so I spent that whole time mm-hmm. there. So talk to that person that needs to communicate and as, as uh, Brene Brown says, to rumble with their... I was just going to quote <laughs> Brene Brown. Yeah. You know, like Brene Brown says that the birth cre- the birthplace of creativity is vulnerability. Mm. You know what I mean? If you want to be creative and contribute yeah. and, and give and add, then you have to be vulnerable. That's really you know? it with communication. Just be vulnerable. That, that, so how yeah. do you get to that point of being vulnerable? Living life and reflecting on it. Knowing mm. that when I share, you know, I'm on a podcast right now sharing that I smoked pot when I was 18 and got arrested for it. Right. And knowing that I'm not being judged by it. Like the world's going to keep spinning and it might actually do good. And so there's value in being vulnerable in that way. There's mm-hmm. value. You know, when I, when I speak to a big group like that, I can't come in and just be the hero and like, Hey, I've got all the answers, all this stuff. I have to show my humanity if I want anybody to listen to me. Right. Yeah. Like I've, yeah. I've got to, I've got to be humble to connect and, and actually genuinely be humble and realize my limits and give them to them. Let people know like, Hey, I, I'd love to be a guide with you in the story, but I'm not the hero you are, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I've got to be able to do that. And so I, I think vulnerability has all this power in the world. Yeah. Um, but we're also, we have this dominant narrative that it's not okay to be vulnerable, especially men, right? Like, especially, all men have to be strong and, and stoic. Is that like, a culture that you guys be. grow up? Because women yeah, are absolutely. way, way more vulnerable Oh, than yeah, men. don't be a wuss. Don't, you know what I mean? Be yeah. tough, all this stuff. And I got to watch my language with my kids sometime. Like, oh, be tough or like, but it's like, oh, but also be vulnerable. You know what I mean? Real I strength. Because what's harder? Yeah. What's harder, to be honest or to keep it to yourself? What's more difficult? Probably to keep to it to yourself. Yeah, right? Yeah. To do that. It, that, that's, that, that you have mm-hmm. to live with that and you have to repress it and feel all the pain of kind of keeping it in. Whereas when it you causes passive-aggressiveness. Absolutely. And we've been talking about that It'll with our leaders many because ways. They, many of them said that they're passive-aggressive. They've been mm-hmm. admitting to yep. that. And so we're that's trying to work. break yeah. through that. Yeah, it's been hard. Mm-hmm. It's been really hard. It is. And I think it's also the people skill of knowing how honest or how do yeah. I present it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like one of the things I talk about is, you know, one of the keys to communication is knowing your audience. 
You know, so oh, how I'm talking good. to you right now yeah. is different than how I would talk to my students. Or right. how I talk to my wife is different than how I would talk to the group of kids that I talked to this morning. You know and what I mean? Like, it's different. Know your audience. Yeah. Yeah, because some people are way too vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. You know, I'll too, be speaking, that, and then more. all of a sudden someone's telling the whole life story. Like, this is not the time and place. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and then some people are like, they have a problem with somebody, and they just say, this is why I've got a problem with you. Right. And it's like, you know what? There's probably a better way of doing this, yes. or a more delicate way of doing this. Yeah. Well, still being honest. Yes. And and I think these are the skills that we need. These are the essential skills. Yes. You know, the, the number one reason that people quit their jobs is communication related. Yeah. Whether it's the employers not mm-hmm. communicating, communicating clearly with the employees, mm-hmm. whether it's the employees not communicating cl- clearly with the, em- the other employees, or right. employees not communicating well yeah. with the employer. You know, I mean, it's this breakdown of communication. And a lot of this is intangible. It, it takes work and practice and failure and learning how to do it better and better and better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, one of my pain points is the fact that I want to train people all over the world how to lead their leader because I've had some really great staff members, Sean included, Mm -hmm. that was able to just really serve me with love even when I sucked. Yeah, that's right. But he was able to get me to help transform me to be a better leader. And so could you imagine if you could do that for your leader? Well, that's why I love today is uh, one of... Your students came up to me afterwards and just talked about how much they love it here and how she went to CMU, Central Michigan, and mm-hmm. was just like this little fish in a small pond. And when she got depressed, nobody cared. And, and then she says, now she's at Paul Mitchell Schools. And mm-hmm. she said, I just, I feel listened to and loved. And they gave me a couple days off when I was really struggling. And that's what I needed. And it's just like, oh, yeah. so much of this is about creating an atmosphere yes. where people can be vulnerable. An atmosphere Perfect. where people can thrive. That's you know. so good. And so as you're going to find a place to work or to be to have the, a career or yes. spend your calling in that career, right, is you want to make sure that it has that vulnerability. Right. And you have to I, – I see too many of our students, they'll take the first job. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you kidding me right now? You should have went to five different places and been there five different times so they can show their true colors. Yes, I love that. And just that. experience the atmosphere. And how cool is that to do it while you're a student because mm-hmm. you can after yep. you graduate, it's a little awkward and Absolutely. weird. Absolutely. Like, do it now. Yep, seriously. Yeah. Take advantage Go of shadow. it. Go for it. Love Beats All is my love letter to everyone, including you, Tina, that have come through when I got sick. You know, it was so hard for me to imagine that all these people we're sending us love of, uh, you know, small to big money to no money cards, texts, like whatever it was, like there was so much love coming in. And I couldn't believe that all these people were doing this just because I was being nice. And so that's where I go back to, you know, I back up and say, you know, your, your personality, your integrity is everything. You know, because at the end of the day, if you are a nice person, like you will get the job, you will get the goal, you will get the husband, the wife, the kids, if that's what you want. So it's like, be nice because you never know when one day that person will save your life. So my love letter to all of those people was to creating Love Beats All because I knew in that moment that not everybody had the resources that I had given to me so graciously by all of you. So here we are. I don't know who starts a company when they're diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. I don't know that I recommend it for everybody as a cure. 
But for me, it will save my life. It has been a beautiful distraction to so much ugly that has happened this last year. And it has really given me a lot of hope to be able to give back at the amount that we were given. Wow. Oh my gosh. What a brilliant idea because I know so many people who want to start like these nonprofits, but I love the thought process that you are for profit with a nonprofit mission. Yeah. And so that's a whole nother story. Like we could go off on a whole nother hour <laughs> just on this, which I'm kind of excited about because you know how much I love business. And so yeah. I coach entrepreneurs as well. And so what a brilliant idea. Talk to someone right now that's interested in starting a nonprofit. I know my director in Sterling Heights is, so maybe she needs to do a for-profit with a nonprofit mission. Talk to them right now, um, you know, like why you started it, how you're running it, and uh, just give some advice, you know, in 30 seconds or less. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I know, 30 seconds or less. Oh, that's pressure because we know I can talk. Um, I love you. First, I feel like if you can just stop or or receive, like you guys, I don't know if anybody out there believes in this, but like you hear things, you see signs. Certain times you're like, oh, where? Oh, that's a thought that just came to me. Write those thoughts down and just keep moving forward. And I think like if you are out there going, I want a nonprofit and to help these people and but what this, but what if that, but what if this? And, and for me, like I said, we were guided to do a for-profit. And the reason being is that, you know, there can be some red tape. It no longer becomes Megan's nonprofit. It's the property of the state. So shall anything happen to me, it doesn't get passed down to my family or friends that are working alongside of me. So for me, I was like, great, I could have a for-profit company with a nonprofit mission. So um, you know, I did feel guilty in the beginning because I said, well, I don't want to make money off of people's misfortunes. And somebody goes, well, do you want to feel guilty and do nothing about it? Or do you want to feel guilty and maybe make some money to help save your life and, you know, help other people? And I was like, oh, okay. So like people say, do it scared. Well, do it guilty if you have to. Just take one foot in front of the other that gets you closer to that end goal. And that's what Love Beats All has been, you know. I think people in the beginning looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, I have to do something with this. I have to give back. And I think, you know, my friends were like, oh, here she goes. She's kind of crazy. What does she think she can do? <laughs> but all we've done is, is followed the path. We haven't pushed anything outside of our comfort zone. We agreed on that from the very beginning. And like you said, Tina, we could talk about it for hours. I would love to share all the little moments that have happened along the way that have fallen into place. And I think if you stop and stay focused and follow your heart and put one foot in front of the other, that's how you do it. You know, we say like love beats all. And like so we've had people say to us like, well, what if it doesn't? Or, or I don't believe in that. And so I just say like, love beats all, even if it's just for another day. And I, and I learned recently as well through this journey is that fear can't live in the present day. And if it does, it's just for a short time. Fear lives in the future and it lives in the past. And so it's like, if we go into the what ifs all the time. So I feel like life is about making choices and we can sit here and live in fear all day. 
or we could live in the present day, deal with what's at hand and, and turn it into something positive and make sure you love one thing a day. If you're going to fear one thing a day. Yeah, that's so powerful. What great advice, because I think so many people are quarantining themselves to no avail. They're just not living and because they're just having so much fear. And I've been watching, you know, this whole process and same thing that could happen with you, but you just been living. You're like, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep living. And what a powerful thing you said. Let's talk about this a little bit more because I think it's part of self-care. And I love when you talk to our students about this, Megan, of really, you said the one thing you learned through all of this was self-care. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you, saving your life hmm. with- the mom life and the wife life and the work life is just out of this world. And I thought I knew what hard work was until now. And with inside that hard work, and I wished I would have learned this so much earlier on because I do think that I could maybe avoided where I'm at now in some ways. I think that um, I look back on my last 15 years and I told my husband, I go, I didn't live a stress-free life. I pushed myself because I thought that's what it took. And to some extreme it does, but you have to protect yourself. Again, believing in yourself is protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So I wished my, my, I wish for my friends and family to look at me and use me as an example, you know, and don't turn out like me in the sense that I thought I could do it all when really I shouldn't have. I did. I could, but I shouldn't have. So for me, self-care is asking for help when I need it. Asking for help maybe before I need it. I also, you know, so reading and taking those moments for myself, if that means asking for help for five minutes, for an hour, for the day, that's what it takes. And so again, you know, my message to all of your employees and students, like moving forward, Corona should have taught us something that we should slow down. And that we don't need to be pushing ourselves the way we were before. And let's be real, like, we're lucky that our jobs lasted through the Great Depression because we all care about what we look like. But now, like, we are not an essential, but we are when it comes to mental health. So it's like in that level of learning from this experience, like, protect yourself still, you know? And people will come, like you said, like, Let's not go back to our old ways. Let's move forward a healthier, stronger, brighter way. Wow. Okay, this is really powerful. I, I extracted a lot from you here. I'm imagining three circles that were intersected, mom life, wife life, work life, and in the middle is self-care, and that's how you stay balanced, period. And period. Self-care, and I love this because you, you – but through education, because you got to educate yourself, first of all, it's awareness, right? Yeah. And then education and then action, right? And yeah. so, and I love that you said, live in the feeling of feeling good. Your husband's very smart. I love that. Like just stay in it. And we call it face in the Palmetto School. So find what, what's working, acknowledge it, celebrate, enjoy. That means live in it. Yeah. <laughs> face yourself. Right? My grandson, every time he does something good, he claps for himself. Like, what <laughs> happened 
to us, like we clap, like for one time, we're like, move it on. Like we need to do more, you know, and I'm so driven as well. And so I think someone's hearing this right now. Like I'm hearing from you too, Megan is just you know, like, stop being so, um, I want to, I want to call it like a people pleaser, um, and trying to just like do everything that everybody wants you to do. Right. Mm -hmm. That's me. That was me. And, um, you know, I have just actually heard right before I got on the phone call with you, I found a friend of mine had just passed away from stage four colon cancer. And um, it's one of those things where you would think that it would force me to be sad and scared, but instead I feel this fire underneath me right now that makes me just want to work harder. Yeah. And it makes me pour my love into La Bital even more. I have fears, Tina, moving forward. Like you said, of, am I good enough? Or am I going to please people? Or are people going to judge me? Or La Bital, is the message going to come through? And really, at the end of the day, I shouldn't care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I should just be here for the people that need help and need love. And I, and, and I thank you for letting me share all of this with you. Because, it, again, it's being vulnerable. And you grow from it. And here we are. Between stimulus and response, there's a space. So there's a space between stimulus and response. And we get to choose that space. And the space that I chose was the space to laugh. And again, fast forward, you know, I'm a business owner, a parent, you know, um, a contributor to the industry as, as much as I possibly can. And when I'm faced with those, those crosswords, those cross at the crossroad at that why, for me, it's always this, you can complain or you can contribute. Mm. That's it. And, you know, usually laughing at the situation and laughing at yourself, interestingly enough, um, usually presents better options with regard to how to respond to the, to, an undesirable or negative situation rather than making someone wrong or making something wrong. You know, making something wrong isn't going to change the situation. It's just going to uh, give the situation power and make you a victim. So uh, I still regard myself as, as an active creative. Uh, and I think our greatest superpower, and I talk about this a lot because it's, it's hard to get on any airplane or just blink without seeing superhero movies nowadays. I mean, we've run out of so many uh, superhero ideas that we're now starting to make money. And now, now, now we're starting to make movies about supervillains. Mm -hmm. you know? We've done Batman to death. Now let's make a Joker series. Uh, but it always begs that conversation among friends and colleagues. Like if you have a superpower, you know, what super power would you choose? And I always joke, you know, some people want to fly, some people want to time travel. There's always somebody creepy in the room that wants to be invisible. Uh, <laughs> but what I think people fail to realize is as a human being, think about what there's, our superpower is the power of choice. You know, human being, there's not a dog being, cat being, giraffe being, it's human being. And I think, you know, the series is aptly named being because you choose how to be. 
And so for me, it always, your superpower always comes down to choice. And I don't think, you know, other species on the planet have that luxury. We have that luxury, you know, an ant can't at some point decide, hmm, you know what, I don't want to be an ant anymore. I want to be a scientific researcher. You know, anybody right now can decide, you know what, I want to be a hairdresser. I want to drop out of law school and be a hairdresser. You can choose that. But you can also choose to be kind. You can choose to be bitter. You can choose to be better. So everything for me, whether it's laughing or crying, and sometimes crying is good because I think God invented tears so our head wouldn't swell, right? <laughs> and there's a time to do it and there's a time to, to, to not do it. But all of these things are healthy. And, you know, my, my desire for people is, is not that, they would learn more to laugh or more to cry, but they would develop healthy relationships with all of these key emotions. And that's, that's because the, the, there's a big movement nowadays in the personal development world to chase happiness. And I think that it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a lot of baloney, right? Because happiness, happy is when something happens. And, you know, if you attach your emotions, happiness to something having to happen, that means if something happens and it can make you happy, when that thing doesn't happen, it can also make you unhappy. Mm -hmm. So happiness is never promised and it's always external. Joy, however, is a choice. So I'm a big fan of really adopting the power of choice as a superpower. And joy is a choice. And I think in the personal development world, there's a very unhealthy, movement towards chasing happiness when the key is you know there's names for people who are happy all the time yeah right there's also medication right right, <laughs> right? and the idea to really experience the fullness of human life isn't just to be happy all the time right to experience the fullness and the joy of human life it's developing healthy relationships with unpleasant situations developing healthy relationships with peer uh with peer <laughs> with fear and pain and joy and elation and you know being let down all of those things are important because it, those things develop you and, and 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 force you to adopt skills and sometimes the skills that you adopt happen to just be the, the coping skill yeah. right no, this is really powerful. And, and you know, uh, I have a partner in the online mastermind and uh, she's a psychotherapist. And yesterday she was talking about big T, uh, little T, big trauma, little trauma. Yeah. And so it depends on the person, of, you know, how they the choose to treat that trauma as you were talking right. about. But um, losing a relationship usually falls under that big trauma. And right. so, you know, not being able to deal with that. And, and one of the people that are in our group uh, lost, um, lost his father that mm. passed away. And that was a big T for him. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to grieve and to go through that process. And I think he just wants to be healthy like tomorrow, but he's got to go through that process. Right. And yes. so I feel like you're saying that and, and, you know, you made that choice. And here's what I'm hearing for to be supportive. Number one, uh, you talked about you have to be the verb before you become the noun, which I absolutely love that, that just fall in love with the process and not the yes. event. 
And then number two, utilize your superpower of choice. And I love the fact that you decided right away to say, hey, I'm going to choose better and I'm going to contribute and I'm going to go out there and make people laugh because I'm good at this. I can make people laugh and you did and it set you up what I believe why you're in this position that you are now, Lance. And then I loved what you said too because you said develop healthy relationships with fear, pain, joy, and being let down. And you know, I put I put that underneath. You know, develop um, emotional intelligence. We talk about that a yes. lot, which is kind of vague. Uh, talk about that, like your journey. Like, what's that untold story of how? Uh, because some people just stay like no emotional intelligence their entire life, right? Yeah. And but you made the choice to say, no, I'm going to work on this. Like, what's that? Like, where did you learn this from? It was it mentors? Was it family? Did you see it? Um, lots of experiences, lots of talks in the mirror, you know, lots of hard talks in the mirror, you know, uh, lots of great mentors, uh, great relationships, you know, great books, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and I'll go back to the first part and then address this, how, how I really chose to actually decide to go down the drain as we call it in coaching. Right. And, and I'll, I'll share that with you. But if I were to rewind back to, to the, the idea of choosing joy or choosing laughter, you know, it's been said that art is the lie that reveals the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you go back, you know, in the king's court, the only people that ever told the truth were the jesters. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody else was too afraid. And I think we now live in a space and time where telling the truth is so important. And particularly people who are trying to fit into this insta world, look, you know, you can't fit in and stand out at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to choose. And so (laughs) the irony is, you know, growing up, like my mom is French Vietnamese, she's Asian, my dad's Italian, Irish, and, um, you know, in my family, people don't show a, a lot of emotions. There's like, there's like three gears. There's happy, <laughs> angry, don't talk to me, right? That's it. So really trying to find the nuances between all of those gears. And I grew up in an environment transparently. It's funny, I've never told this story before, but I'll, I'll share this with you where I was told you never talk about your problems at all. Mm-hmm. And especially ever share your problems with anybody who doesn't have the ability to help you solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, on one hand, I totally get that. You don't want to be this you know, the person who always has this drama that you're bringing to the space. Then you end up becoming that person. And that's not necessarily attractive. I get that. However, if you dogmatically look at this, you never talk about your problems. And you definitely don't talk about them with anybody who doesn't have the power to necessarily fix your problems. You're saying a lot of things. Uh, and ultimately, one of the things that you're saying is the only reason we ever talk about our problems is so other people can fix them. Well, <laughs> you're in a relationship, and so many people who have been in relationships know that Sometimes when you're having issues, challenges, problems, you face uh, difficult times, you want to talk to, to another person about it, not because you want your problem solved. In fact, 
you know, for the female audience who happens to be tuning in, the last thing you want is for one of us to solve your problems. Exactly. You someone to listen. And within the listening, there's a great unbearing of the soul, and there's a great, you know, um, in coaching we call it witnessing. And so it took me a long time to understand those nuances. I mean, it's been said that the definition of tyranny is the deliberate removal of nuance. And I, I don't think there's one dogmatic, you never talk about it with this, you do talk about it with that. I think developing emotional intelligence means that you're just really transparent about what you're feeling in the moment. And you also have done the work to understand that what you're feeling might not be the truth. Yeah. Right? It might be a story that you are making up. That's why I'm a big fan. If anybody wants the most inexpensive education, first of all, I mean, just read a book. Shut down your Netflix, you know, uh, and I like to binge on Netflix occasionally, but there's nothing better than just reading a book because a book is a resource, is a tool, is, is a, a, you know, a door that you get to open that you never even knew exist, right? A door that might open, um, might be the opening out of a dark room that you no longer want to be in, but I would say the most inexpensive education is a landmark form. Uh, landmark education is a great program. And I don't make any money off of this, but it's so inexpensive. And what people really get is sometimes there are things that happen and then there's what you made up about it. So in other words, you can leave a meeting and you know, you just let a meeting and then somebody is, you know, huffing and rolling their eyes and you can instantly make that mean that they're not happy with something that you shared. Right? Right. It's not the fact. There's no absolute information. It's you're, you're missing a lot of information, but that's where our brain goes. Our brain just goes and makes up a story about it. Mm. And the funny thing is 90% of people actually don't confront that person in order to get clarity. They just make a story that Sandra doesn't like me or doesn't like it when I share this or doesn't like what I have to share. And they forget that they make up the story. And fast forward, a month or two goes by or a week or two goes by, and they have another slightly unpleasant experience or witness something they don't like about Sandra. And now they don't realize that their mind is now collecting evidence to make that story right. Yes. Right? And it's that they run this racket when the reality is if you would stop and just be honest and go, wow, you know, what, what can I do about this situation? And if you're not familiar with the drama triangle, I'll share this with you. So the drama triangle at the very top of the triangle uh, is, is the victim. Well, actually it works like this. The bottom of the triangle. triangle. Yeah. And then you have the persecutor and then you have the rescuer. Right, so the minute you make Sandra wrong, you become the victim, right? She becomes the persecutor. Maybe you don't want to feel like talking about this to Sandra, so you go and you share it with Susie. You go, you know what, after that meeting, you know, Sandra's rolling her eyes and she was just huffing, and I, 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 don't, I don't think she likes it, right? And now Susie tries to rescue the situation and goes, you know what? No, she's had a hard life. You know what? You have to understand this. And now she tries to make amends when the reality is if you flip the triangle instead of victim, you have creator. 
right? So victims at the bottom, instead of victim, you have creator. Instead of persecutor, you have coach. Instead of rescuer, right, you have challenger. Now, if you decide, instead of being a victim, if you just go to Sandra and not like point your finger in her face, but hey, listen, when we left that meeting, I noticed that you were rolling your eyes and you were huffing. And I made it mean that you were upset with me or didn't like what I had to share in the meeting, right? Am I off track? Or can you help clarify that? Wow, drama be gone, right? Because you actually took responsibility and you decided you were going to create something in order to you know, not have to live with that story that your brain made up. You know, your amygdala is a powerful thing because your brain, your, your, your brain doesn't care if you're happy or not. You know, there's been more studies on brain research in the past five years than the past 15. Your, your brain is designed to prevent you from danger, from being eaten by lions. But the likelihood of a lion walking through any salon in North America or the world is very slim. So you no longer have that threat. So your brain makes up things to be upset about, such as the fact that Sandra rolled her eyes during a meeting and she hopped and puffed afterwards. And we can choose to adopt that story or we can choose to press pause and then go create a new one and at least get clarity before we come to some kind of conclusion, particularly without absolute information. One of my quotes is to have, do, or be more, you have to become more. And so I've, I've been endlessly searching for who I could truly become. And I've been going on that soul search really since 2013, Stephanie. And so talk practically how someone can kind of, I don't, uh, I don't really like finding yourself, but to create yourself. Well, I think that's really it. Um, you know, almost this July will be two years since I had a, a food allergy that turned into brain surgery. So I was stopped for sure. And uh, I had to rely on friends to make health decisions. And I told them if I die because of a decision you made, I'm going to haunt the bejesus out you, you know? <laughs> so they know what a pain in the neck I am right now. What would I be like in another dimension? Um, and that fight to come back was a fight because I couldn't really see out of my right eye. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't comb my own hair. Uh, it took me about a good month before I could even like just look in the mirror and see myself and notice that my head was shaved and I had a big old scar. And that was kind of, you know, hard for me because all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, I was just on stage. Yeah. Well, maybe that was your last time. So did you enjoy it? Did you live it to your fullest? So I think it's time when you're looking to become more, it's time to inventory yourself. And when I inventoried myself, I started at, what are you great at? And I wrote down what I thought I was great at. And then I assembled a dream team and it's five people. And I asked those people, do you believe that I'm great at this? Can you give me your opinion since you know me so well? And if there's something that I haven't mentioned, could you let me know so I don't have to go back and try to fix what's not broken, you know? Um, 
I also hang out with some of the most incredible people on the planet that are very uncommon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of my family, when they have met some of my close (laughs) friends are like, where the heck did you find that one? Uh, (laughs) So whoever's on your dream team, listen, respect, love, even though they might not speak the way you want them to speak, even though they might not say all the loving things, be able to take it when they tell you that you ain't right or that, hey, little girl, you need to slow it down. Uh, You know, just take it because they know you probably better than you know yourself. So first thing, what are you great at? Is establish a a dream team. Yeah, I Um, love that. And you know what, like I have some of the best people on the planet uh, on my dream team. I would say it's Robert and Mary Cromines. I would say it's my great friend, Joyce Campbell. Uh, It's a team of people. They work at a place called Indigo Dragon. They're health practitioners, acupuncturists, physical therapists. So what's coming into your lens? Are you sitting watching Netflix? Or are you looking at the lens? Uh, I have a good friend. She's our creative director at John Paul Mitchell Systems, Lucy Dowdy. And no matter where we are, we do uh, a tea time. And it's once a week. Sometimes we're drinking tea. Sometimes we're not drinking at all. Sometimes we meet at Neiman Marcus and think we're real fancy and sit there and have a Ooh, a cappuccino, you know, and then I'm like, Lucy, this is your tab today, you know. Um, But like, I called Lucy last night, and uh, we had our catch up time. And she's like, hey, have you watched this on Netflix? And have you watched that on Netflix? And it was like seven days, the preparation before the Westminster dog show. It's seven days on how uh, Chanel builds their area and what they go through Uh, to appreciate what's on the other end of it. You have to appreciate what people have gone through. So if you want to be uncommon, you might have to do some uncommon things. You know, I never thought I'd be a bleached blonde because of what everybody in the neighborhood thought of bleached blondes when I was a kid. But the minute I became a bleached blonde. It was like, woo, I'm a new woman, you know, (laughs) and every four weeks, maybe not now, but in the future, you know, uh, so maybe, you know, maybe it was dressing different. Maybe it was changing the way I worked and executing things. Uh, you know, one day I watched a hair show and I looked at this woman doing hair on stage and her assistant dropped stuff wasn't there when she needed a pin or a comb and it just oh it made me mad so I walked right up to her at the party afterwards and I always have a business card in my purse and I said to her I said I'll never drop a roller she called me two days later and I traveled around the world with her for four years so she was like my fairy she was like uh what's her name like Julie Andrews with the British accent you know she made me step it up. So you got to find people outside of your zone. Uh, so like, I just feel like uh, hanging out with giants mm. is a good way to be uncommon. Yeah. 
And you know, I, I, I'm always surprised how giants are available too. You know, I think so many people, including my future professionals, they don't think that I'm available. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, I exist because of you. And I know Luke feels the same way. And so I think you got to get rid of that mindset. Wow. I want them to learn. To, I want them to learn to hear God's voice. Yeah. You, so you let's literally talk can about do it. it. How can do, do it. you learn to hear God's voice? Man, I, Tina, I chased this one concept for years in yeah. my life. And, and actually, honestly, I stumbled on it. Yeah. Um, on, my, on my bike, I just kept riding my bike and I didn't know what to say to God the first couple of months. Like I was telling you earlier, um, I'd made that decision in my driveway. And so I just started riding and then. I would pray about it a little bit and I would feel like he would lead me. I, he always speaks in whispers and nudges. Rarely does he speak out loud. Little whispers and nudges. And, and I just felt like podcast and this. And he would he would lead me to an audio book. And one day I, I drove about an hour from my house and I took my mountain bike and I was going to ride some, some trails. And I went to go leave and I was like, oh man, I, I went to go ride once I got there and I didn't bring my, ear, my earbuds. I was like, oh man, what am I going to do for an hour, hour and a half? I'm wow. like, all right, I guess I'll just ride. And it was uh-huh. the greatest turning point in my relationship with God. Mm. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I I was at Addison Oaks Park in Oakland County. And I just I just left and wrote. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to talk to you all day, God. And it was, and I write about, there's, there's a whole section of my book about this. Um, it was the most amazing day because it was... Um, I just kind of, my phone's always off when I ride, so it was just me and him. It was quiet. Um, and, and I just kind of let him, I just was talking to him. And my I go in and out. Like, I still, to this day, I'm like, you know, squirrel. You ever hear that? Like, yep. Okay, my, my attention span went 100%. over here. 100%. And then Sparkling I come back objects. to God. So, uh, so I never had this uh, conversation with him that is, like, holy and awesome and I'm always on track. It doesn't work that way. My mind wanders. Mm-hmm. And he's okay with it because when I come back, he's right there waiting for me. Um, wow. But uh, I would say to someone, if they really want to have that relationship with God, it, first of all, I'll say anyone listening, it doesn't matter your spiritual background, doesn't matter where you're from. If you want to have that relationship, anyone can have it. It's available to all of us. And, um, it, you know, I would say uh, the reason I found it on my bike accidentally is because of that day. So I started talking to him and then I started to actually recognize his voice a little bit. And it came in whispers and nudges. And most people, myself included for many years, will never experience that because we don't shut up long enough or mm. shut the outside noise out long enough to listen to him, yeah. to even give him the opportunity. Oh, yeah. There was so. a time in my life that I literally couldn't turn off the TV yeah. or the radio yeah. because I couldn't like just have quiet yeah it was so sad well, that many I, of us are afraid of silence yes I was then your afraid. thoughts come in there sometimes yep. they're not good thoughts yeah you know and that's where I was when mm-hmm. I first started and I just just a little bit at a time little yeah exactly a little bit yeah. at a time and mm-hmm. and if you spend a little bit of time with him consistently um, you know you'll get to hear his voice so you know my when my kids were little this is a this will probably help you maybe realize it as a listener when my kids were little, they all went to the same uh, nursery school. So I would go to pick my son or daughter up. And I, we'll use my oldest son, for example, because he was the loudest. Yeah. But uh, I would go, and there'd be 30 screaming kids in there. And one, some <laughs> kids were doing this, and some kids were doing that. 
and uh, there was a, just a bunch of noise and act activity. But when I went in the door, even amongst all that chatter, I could always I always knew who my child was. And as a parent, you always know who your child is. Mm. You know their voice. You know their you know their cry. You you know whether they're happy or sad. Uh, even amongst thirty True. other kids, and it will become that way. Once you spend more time with God, you will learn to know His voice. You spend so much time with Him, it'll be just like knowing your child's voice. That's so incredible. I love that. It's, it's so funny because I always hear these stories of people that grew closer to God when they are in, out in nature, walking in nature. And yeah. so you were out on your bike and, and so just spending that time alone and you hear about monks and their yeah. stories and how yeah. their life got switched around too. Yeah. And it was the best time in their life because they finally shut things off yes. and it's it's almost this I, I heard this funny thing from one of my staff members but it's not so funny when you really think about it uh, she said I have this FOMO fear of missing out and yeah. so where do you think that comes from because I think we need to unlock that like get rid yeah. of that fear of FOMO you know that's good I've never heard it called <laughs> FOMO I like that fear of missing out that's pretty good I mean yeah I, I think a lot of that Tina comes from you know our modern world that we live in it's there's, it's so informational. It's so fast paced. And, you, you know, let's just take Facebook, for example. You know, there's the fear yeah. of missing out because it's almost like ingrained into us with social media too, because it's like, oh, so-and-so's out doing this or so-and-so's on that vacation or these people are doing this. And I think sometimes even though we mm -hmm. just, we're just browsing through Facebook, again, we're, that's all we're using yeah. for this example, but it can kind of go with people you work with or your, whatever your everyday environment is we kind of subconsciously set ourselves up to, to say, you know, oh, I have to be like the Joneses, so to speak, or whoever yeah. this person may be, or this couple, or whatever it may be. And and I can just say that, um, you know, the minute you start comparing yourself to other people, that's the beginning of your downfall because mm -hmm. we're all created differently. We all have different gifts. Every single person listening to this podcast right now was created with a unique gift by our creator, God. Wow. And, and all of us, have our, what I call our superpower. And I know you've heard mm -hmm. that term before. Yeah. Um, and, and you got to find your superpower and it takes quiet time to do that. Yeah. So all these things we've talked about takes quiet time. It does. Got to spend quiet time with God. And your your thoughts are going to come at you. When I first started to really spend quiet time with him, I was afraid to be alone with myself because I, di I didn't like the thoughts that were coming to me. Ooh, man, I remember some of them. And, uh, you know, because it, it was at a time that I guess I was in, I think I told you a little bit, but I just had marriage trouble at the time, major mm -hmm. financial trouble right before that, still trying to get out of it, mm. uh, just not feeling good about myself at all. Um, and and uh, you have to, all I can say is sometimes there's just no easy way to do it. You just have to push through that. You have to put those those fears aside and those thoughts aside and just spend quiet time and just focus on God. Just focus on listening to his voice. Yeah, no, that that's really great. And, you know, it's interesting because I want to unpack for a minute the failed marriage that yeah. you had because um, I was just listening actually to Will Smith this morning. We were uh, yeah. doing our mastermind with our I directors. Yeah. yeah, and he said, uh, quote, unquote, seek failure. Fail failure is where all the lessons are. So true. And so, I mean, hello, seek failure? I don't want to seek failure. Yeah. And I have yeah. always said failure is my friend, but I had to do that because... I had to be okay with failure. And it's so true. Like you, you learn more 
when people suck than when they're really great at something too. And from my, my stories of all my failure stories and I learned more from that. So talk about that for a second, because I think that makes you a great connector. Yeah, learning from failures. Oh man, failures! I am an (laughs) expert. I could probably write multiple books on failures. What's the one failure that shifted you, um, and was that transformational moment? Um, You know, I can tell you, it was you know my financial downfall. Um, Being in the mortgage industry, I'd had my own mortgage company um, with a friend of mine. You know, I started about two years before, two and a half years before the mortgage market crashed, and I was all in. I took my life savings. Um, I had something called a green book and it, a green book was, uh, this book of, uh, things I had learned over the years in the mortgage industry. And, 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 uh, I'd started once I'd been in the industry for about three, four years. And I thought, well, if I ever start my own mortgage company someday, I want to know how to do it. Cause it was kind of back in my mind. It was a little dream in my mind that I wanted to do. And, uh, over the years I had this, just this green folder. And, and if I found something good in marketing that work or something with employees that worked good, or whatever it, it was had you know I even got it down to what color of paint I should have on the wall that was most conducive to calm buyers down when they came in because people are stressed out when they buy a house they really are it's one of the top three oh, most stressful yeah. things you can do in your life and, <laughs> and I knew that and uh, and I just wanted to have I wanted to create the very best mortgage company that was ever created in the, in, in the history of the world that was my goal my mission and uh, it, it, you know started it about again about two and a half years before uh, the, the industry uh, imploded and, and I was all in. My life savings was in it. My green book was in it, which was, I had took me 10 years to build this green book of knowledge up and uh, in it all, literally within eight months, Tina, the whole thing was gone. Everything was gone. My, all mm-hmm. my life savings was gone. When the mortgage industry imploded, it was like watching, it was like being on a ship and watching it go down and you're watching the water getting closer and closer Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do there's literally nothing you can do it was your titanic moment how'd you how'd you dig yourself out from under that what was your lesson i didn't dig myself out right away at all Mm -hmm. it it took a few years um you know the biggest the biggest thing i would say i got out of it was i am such a different person now i mean I, i was you know all of us have issues in our life or things that block us from being a better person. And mine was pride. Mm. And you would never know it by talking to me back then. You yeah. never would have known it. Yeah. Um, but I'd had some financial success, very limited amount. But in my mind, I thought it was a great financial success. And I was prideful. I thought I did this all on my own. I didn't give God any credit. Uh, and looking back on it now, he blessed me so much when I didn't even know him or recognize him. It was amazing. But um that was the the big lesson that I got of it, and, and, and uh, it, it took a while for that to all kind of, for me to realize that, and, and it really humbled me. I mean, it humbled me. I mean, even to this day, I, I, I think about it often, and I'm so grateful, and I'm I'm an open book now. I mean, and, and, and sometimes people don't like it, but, um, you know, I just feel that we should be genuine. We have to be ourselves, and there, we all put fronts on, and we're, we're always putting a show on or whatever let's just get rid of all that yeah you know i love that I, that's how you are a great connector yeah <laughs> get rid genuine. of pride that's just that's the next one be genuine and yeah. and that's so powerful and i'd have to say my failed business that i had many years ago is what set me up for success because yeah. i realized that your greatest adversity becomes your greatest assignment yes and so you take that and you're like you know what? i don't want you to lose a hundred thousand dollars so yeah. guess what i'm going to give you a hundred thousand dollar training because for some reason when you fail 
you deep inside and i believe this is a spiritual thing you don't want anyone else to fail like right. you did yeah. there's just like that untold story yeah. i think that we have all within us that we just want to help people well especially if you're a fighter because then you know mm. that you're like oh, i just can't let this you're like you just yeah. want to like you just yeah you just want to help people yeah just help people yeah. Mm. and uh and that's really what it goes back to and if you can't connect with people you you can't really get into their lives and love them and, mm-hmm. and you know we talked about it a little bit earlier but loving others is is just serving them just doing good things for them not judging them and, and just just helping them out if someone needs a hand and sometimes it's just as simple as a word of encouragement it doesn't have to be a life-changing event it doesn't have to be you know something major it can mm-hmm. be little things it's little things every day now, the people you work with the people you're around sometimes we we take those little things for granted and we don't say them something will come to our mind and we we don't speak it yeah, but just just little things. Yeah, no, that that's really powerful. I think um, it goes back to the adage: you stop doing life alone. Yeah, you know, I well feel like said. that just you're just playing small when you do life yeah. alone because God didn't create us to be alone, and and we so many people want to isolate themselves. And yeah. in this day and time, there's a lot of solopreneurs out there, mm-hmm. and it just it really scares me because I watch people really limit themselves and live that mediocre life. Yeah. because of that and so being able to connect with people and being a connector i think yeah. is going to help you to live the life that god designed for you as well too and i well done aaron and what last piece of advice do you want to give people listening to this today well i would say on that note of what you just said i would say go out and get connected and what i mean by that is uh, right now my i currently serve uh, as the uh, chairman of the board for our local chamber of commerce and that's just one example. There's chamber of commerces in every mm-hmm. city, and some of them are more robust than others. Ours in St. Clair County is phenomenal. Phenomenal. It is phenomenal. <laughs> it's, it is. It mm-hmm. is earth-shatteringly phenomenal. I can't believe. So I mean, ways. just a little plug. I'm so glad. I only got to join the board for a short time yeah. because of my travels. Yeah. But it opened up my eyes to see how much our local chambers do for our communities. They and do. Port Huron, Michigan has changed around. And I really attribute that to what you guys have done with the chamber. And yeah. I would have not known that if I didn't sit in some of those meetings. Right. And I think it's just so powerful what the local chamber does like just invest in your local chamber first of all because you you won't believe how they can shift and change your business around just by what the investment that they're putting into the community to make it's a powerful organization not every community has a great chamber some communities don't have a chamber but I would say if you don't have a chamber of commerce, start one. Yeah, you start one. I like it. I like it. I like it. Thinking. Uh-huh. You know, if you can't uh, get plugged into one, though, mm-hmm. find a group of like-minded individuals, not people that are going where you're at right now. Plug into a group higher than you. Plug into a group That's of good. people that are where you want to be. Higher-minded people. You got it. Not just like-minded. Higher-minded. I think we came up with a new up. one. Yep, higher-minded people. I like it. Step it up. You'll find them. They're out there. Another 20 feet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.